hard, hard days approach for this world and its citizens. Gross darkness and uncertainty will prevail. Confusion of face, as the prophet Daniel declares in chapter 9, will be the global state of mind. Daniel chapter 9, verse 8, O Lord, to us belongeth confusion of face, to our kings, to our princes, and to our fathers, because we have sinned against thee. Of the very end of days, Daniel 12.10 writes, Many shall be purified and made white and tried, but the wicked shall do wickedly. And none of the wicked shall understand, but the wise shall understand. The contrast between the unredeemed and the born again could never be more stark. We are nearing supernatural separation, where the blood-bought are caught up to meet Jesus Christ in the clouds, and where the willingly lost are left behind to incur the final wrath of God. Decisions are being made today. Dear visitor, if you have yet to make your decision for Jesus Christ, you will surely decide today in this very feature. The prophet Joel pens these words concerning the lost sons and daughters of Adam in Joel chapter 3, verse 14, multitudes, multitudes, in the valley of decision, for the day of the Lord is near in the valley of decision. Earlier I said that the contrast between the camps of the born-again and the unsaved could never be more stark. Allow me to stack on a capital S. In the camp of the unsaved, hopelessness will abound. But in the camp of the born-again, you'll find divine hope, even the everlasting blessed hope. And the anticipation is so exciting. In the camp of the unsaved, darkness will be deep, and they will stumble at noonday. But in the camp of the born-again, there is a constant light that grows brighter and brighter unto the perfect day, Proverbs 4.18. In the camp of the unsaved, there will be a calamitous cry as they see God's judgment coming upon the earth. But in the camp of the born-again, a new song, the song of the soul set free, will prevail. In just a few moments, I will offer you a simple prompt, and if you follow from your heart, everything for you will change, and I mean everything. Today, all your sins and your shame will be fully erased, even as if you never committed them. Today, Jesus Christ will snap Satan's chains of bondage from your soul. Today, you will become a new creature. Today, your soul is in your own hand. You are deciding yes or no now. Here is the prompt I promised. Click on the Further with Jesus for childlike instructions and immediate entry into the kingdom of God. Now for today's subject. God said, Psalms 19, verse 9, The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The judgments of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. God said, Genesis eleven seventeen through 26. And Eber lived after he begat Peleg four hundred and thirty years and begat sons and daughters. And Peleg lived thirty years and begat Ru. And Peleg lived after he begat Ru two hundred and nine years and begat sons and daughters. And Ru lived two and thirty years and begat Serug. And Ru lived after he begat Serug two hundred and seven years and begat sons and daughters. And Serug lived thirty years and begat Nahor. And Serug lived after he begat Nahor two hundred years and begat sons and daughters. And Nahor lived nine and twenty years and begat Terah. And Nahor lived after he begat Terah an hundred and nineteen years and begat sons and daughters. 
And Terah lived 70 years and begat Abram, Nahor, and Haran. God said, Judges, chapter 7, 19 and 20, So Gideon and the hundred men that were with him came unto the outside of the camp in the beginning of the middle watch, and they had but newly set the watch, and they blew the trumpets and brake the pitchers that were in their hands. And the three companies blew the trumpets and brake the pitchers and held the lamps in their left hands, and uh, the trumpets in their right hands to blow with all, and they cried, The sword of the Lord and of Gideon. Man said, The stories in the Bible are just wild stories. When you look, you'll discover the lack of any real credibility. The history, the chronology, geography, names and places, wrong, wrong, wrong. Throw it in the trash. Set yourself free. Now the record. Welcome to God Said, Man Said, feature 1094 that will once again certify the Holy Bible to be the inerrant words of the God of creation, true and righteous altogether, every jot and every tittle. All of these faith-building features are archived here in text and streaming audio for your edification and that you might know the certainty of it all. Everything truly depends upon it. Everything. Every Thursday Eve, God willing, they grow by one. Thank you for coming. May the revelation of the marvels of born again be multiplied unto you. The skeptics thump their chest and make crazy claims designed to malign and discredit holy scriptures, but bluster is all it is. When challenged with the truth, they collapse under the weight of their blasphemy. God's words cannot be broken, not possible. The Word of God has been incessantly challenged since Eden, and the critics will continue their assaults. But be advised, the Holy Word will continue to stand and dominate the arena of all that's true. Satan has paraded before the sons and daughters of Adam and Eve his champions of unbelief, which he has been doing for thousands of years, and they have failed time after miserable time. Their zero victory record will not improve as a result of their latest discoveries or in their next excursion to Mars. God's word is true and righteous altogether, and yes, I absolutely need to know it is truth. Everything depends on it. God said, man said, utilizes a four-level proof platform to establish the supernatural inerrancy of God's holy Bible. The first category on the navigation bar on your left is titled Archaeology. And inside that banner, you'll also find the scientific disciplines of paleontology, geology, and ancient history. This category establishes the Bible as a supremely accurate historic record of past events from paradise and the Garden of Eden and forward, even the miraculous. Many are shocked at the depth of non-biblical scholastic information that's available concerning marvels such as creation itself. Adam and his ribbed wife Eve, to Noah's Ark and the global flood, onto the Tower of Babel, Sodom and Gomorrah, the walls of Jericho, and on and on. The jeering from the sidelines continues, but do keep firmly in mind that the Bible's historic record has never, never been controverted. In the following excerpts from Encyclopedia of Bible Life, you'll find a quote from one William F. Albright, who stood a giant in the field of archaeology. He was an Orientalist and professor of Semitic languages at Johns Hopkins University. 
Albright was director of American schools in Jerusalem and led excavations in numerous places. A, bibli a bibliography of Albright's work was written by Henry M. Orlinsky, where 473 items were listed. The following is from Encyclopedia of the Bible. Nothing that has happened in the past 50 years has put the Bible on so sure a footing as the development of biblical archaeology. Without starting out to prove that the Bible is true, research has a posteriori come upon facts confirming and illustrating point after point, especially of Old Testament record. Higher criticism has received the blow and must henceforth be considered only in connection with the findings of archaeology. We now know that Abraham was not merely a Mesopotamian folk hero, but a historic personality, though not contemporary with Hammurabi, whose date is not 2000 B.C., but between 1728 B.C. and 1686 B.C. We now believe with Albright that Jericho fell later than 1375 B.C., others except 1400 or 1250. Confirmation has been found of the destruction and desertion of Shiloh by the Philistines after the Battle of Ebenezer and the capture of the Ark, 1050 B.C. Exodus 1 has been confirmed with the discovery of Egyptian Tanis and Pithon, uh, Tel Retaba, a store cities of Ramses II. The antiquity of the Song of Deborah has been demonstrated, and the pushing back of dates of portions of the Old Testament once placed in the post-exilic period, has come about. Rash Shamra in northern Syria has given us not only the lost Canaanite religious literature, but has helped us construct the progress of Israel's loftier religion by tracing its steps of ascent from the worship ways of its neighbors. We know now, since Megiddo and Ezion Geber excavations, much about the economic foundations of Solomon's kingdom and the background of his temple building and chariot cities. Cross-reference, synthesizing Babylon with Palestinian history and the 6th century B.C. have built up satisfactory conclusions. As Albright has pointed out in Archaeology and the Religion of Israel, the most brilliant and searching scrutiny of science has not lessened the preeminence of the Bible as a masterpiece of literature and an absolutely unique religious document. Nothing has been unearthed which need disturb the faith of Hebrew or Christian, but much has been excavated which heightens this faith. No major contention of Scripture has been proved unhistoric. These paragraphs were written over 70 years ago, and the situation for the higher critics has certainly not improved. The ancient city of Mari that one text claims is the tenth city to be founded after Noah's flood shocked the archaeology world beginning in 1933 during excavations of Tel Harairai. Passages from the Bible's history follow. No one knew as yet how close a connection the finds at Mari would prove to have with quite familiar passages in the Bible. Year-by-year year, reports of the expedition provided fresh surprises. In the winter of 1933-34, a temple of Ishtar, the goddess of fertility, was exposed. Three of Ishtar's royal devotees have immortalized themselves as statues in the shrine, which is inlaid with a mosaic of gleaming shells. Lamgi Mari, Eben Il, and Idai Nerum. 
In the second season of digging, the spades came upon the houses of a city. Mari had been found. However great was the satisfaction with their success, far more interest indeed astonishment was aroused by the walls of a palace, which must have been unusually large. Parrot reported, We have unearthed sixty-nine rooms and courts, and there are still more to come. One thousand six hundred cuneiform tablets, carefully stacked in one of the rooms, contain details of household management. The record of the third campaign in 1935 and 36, noted that so far 138 rooms and courtyards had been found, but they had not yet reached the outer walls of the palace. 13,000 clay tablets awaited deciphering. In the fourth winter, a temple of the god Dagon was dug up and also a ziggurat, the typical Mesopotamian staged tower. 220 rooms and courtyards were now visible in the palace, and another 8,000 clay tablets have been added to the existing collection. At last, in the fifth season, when a further 40 rooms had been cleared of rubble, the palace of the kings of Mari lay in all its vast extent before Parrot and his assistants. This mammoth building of the third millennium B.C. covered almost 10 acres Never before during any excavations had such an enormous building with such vast ramifications come to light. On the clay tablets, the Assyriologists dealing with these reports of governors and district commissioners of the Mari Empire came across one after another a whole series of familiar-sounding names from biblical history, names like Peleg and Serug, Nahor and Terah and Haran. These are the generations of Shem, says Genesis 11. Peleg lived 30 years and begat Ru, and Ru lived two and 30 years and begat Serug, and Serug lived 30 years and begat Nahor, and Nahor lived nine and 20 years and begat Terah, and Terah lived 70 years and begat Abram, Nahor, and Haran. Names of Abraham's forefathers emerged from these dark ages as names of cities in northwest Mesopotamia. They lie in Padan Aram, the plain of Aram. In the center of it lies Aran, which, according to its description, must have been flourishing as a city in the 19th and 18th centuries B.C. Haran, the home of Abraham, the father of the patriarchs, the birthplace of the Hebrew people, is here for the first time historically attested for contemporary texts refer to it. Further up the same uh, Balak Valley lay the city with an equally well-known biblical name, Nahor, the home of Rebekah, wife of Isaac. The documents from the kingdom of Mari produce startling proof that the stories of the patriarchs in the Bible are not just pious legends, as is often too readily assumed, but things that are described as happening in a historical period which can be precisely dated. Prior to the establishment of kings in Israel, they were ruled by judges, with the great prophet Samuel being the last. At the time of the account recorded in Judges, chapters 6 through 8, Israel had fallen into sin, and the judgment of God was upon them. Judges, chapter 6, verses 1 through 5. And the children of Israel did evil in the sight of the Lord, and the Lord delivered them into the hand of Midian seven years. And the hand of Midian prevailed against Israel. And because of the Midianites, the children of Israel made them the dens which are in the mountains and caves and strongholds. And so it was, when Israel had sown, that the Midianites came up, and the Amalekites, and the children of the east, even they came up against them. 
and they encamped against them, and destroyed the increase of the earth, till thou come unto Gaza, and left no substance for Israel, neither sheep, nor ox, nor ass. For they came up with their cattle in their tents, and they came as grasshoppers for multitude. For both they and their camels were without number, and they entered into the land to destroy at this time, God raises up a man named Gideon to work a miracle. The whole history is recorded in the three chapters mentioned, but the archaeological, archaeological issue today is the name Jerubel, Judges 6, 22 through 32. And when Gideon perceived that he was an angel of the Lord, Gideon said, Alas, O Lord God, because I have seen an angel of the Lord face to face. And the Lord said unto him, Peace be unto thee, fear not, thou shalt not die. Then Gideon built an altar there unto the Lord, and called it Jehovah Shalom. Unto this day it is yet in Ophrah of the Abiezrites. And it came to pass the same night that the Lord said unto him, Take thy father's young bullock, even the second bullock of seven years old, and throw down the altar of Baal that thy father hath, and cut down the grove that is by it, and build an altar unto the Lord thy God upon the top of this rock, in the ordered place, and take the second bullock, and offer a burnt sacrifice with the wood of the grove which thou hast cut down. Then Gideon took ten men of his servants, and did as the Lord had said unto him, and so it was, because he feared his father's household and the men of the city, that he could not do it by day, that he did it by night. And when the men of the city arose early in the morning, behold, the altar of Baal was cast down, and the grove was cut down that was by it, and the second bullock was offered upon the altar that was built. And they said one to another, Who hath done this thing? And when they inquired and asked, they said, Gideon, the son of Joash, hath done this thing. Then the men of the city said unto Joash, Bring out thy son, that he may die, because he hath cast down the altar of Baal, and because he hath cut down the grove that was by it. And Joash said unto all that stood against him, Will ye plead for Baal? Will ye save him? He that will plead for him, let him be put to death while it is yet morning. If he be a god, let him plead for himself, because one hath cast down his altar. Therefore on that day he called him Jerubbaal, saying, Let Baal plead against him, because he hath thrown down his altar. The UPI headline of September 24, 2021 reads, 3,100-year-old Gideon inscription in Israel provides Bible archaeology link. Excerpts follow. Rare inscription found on a jug fragment discovered in the Judean foothills connects a name used for the biblical judge Gideon with historical reality. A five-letter inscription from biblical times was found at the Kerbet el Rei dig a site in central Israel, between Kiryat Gat and Lachish, about 43 miles southwest of Jerusalem. This unique discovery offers us a 3,100-year-old glimpse back in time and ties the Bible with archaeological history. If you like a biblical parallel, we're talking about the days of the judges and King David, Gaynor said in an IAA Hebrew-language film. The hundreds of artifacts discovered during seven seasons of excavations help piece together the daily lives of people living during the ancient biblical period. Among them found in one of the sites, uh, 20 storage silos, was this unimaginable inscription, said Gaynor. 
This extremely rare pottery piece, originally uncovered in 2019, was dated by Aero University's Professor Ben Shlomo uh, through using a variety of methods, radiocarbon dating, which gave a result of 1050 B.C., typography of the pottery shards found, and petrographic analysis of the inscribed pottery. It was concluded that the small jug was made locally. The inscribed letters on the pottery are classified as proto-Canaanite by the scholars and could be the missing link in the development of early alphabetic writing used during the 12th through 10th centuries before Christ. The five letters inked on the jug spell out the personal name Jerubel. Early alphabetic inscriptions did not include vowels, only consonants. The name Jerubel appears in the book of Judges as an alternative name for Gideon, a judge of northern Israel. The name was given to him by his father Joash, who in defending Gideon from the men of the city who wanted to kill him because he destroyed an altar of Baal, said, Let Baal contend against him. Notably, the name Jerubel only appears in the Bible in the period of the Judges and has never been found outside of the biblical text until now. People are often named after famous individuals in their era, and at the minimum, this description now shows that the name Jerubel was indeed being used at the time. In a similar manner, the name Ishbel, which is only mentioned in the Bible during the monarchy of King David, has been found in strata dated to that period at the site of Kerbet Kuefa, remarked Gaynor and Garfinkel regarding a previous discovery they had. The fact that identical names are mentioned in the Bible and also found in inscriptions recovered from archaeological excavations shows that memories were preserved and passed down through generations, the archaeologists concluded. These discoveries cannot prove the details of the biblical account, but they do give archaeological evidence that the Bible is far more reliable than skeptics claim. Keep thinking. The biblical account of Gideon, also known as Jerubel, and the epic battle with the Midianites ends as described in Judges chapter 7, 19 through 22. So Gideon and the hundred men that were with him came unto the outside of the camp in the beginning of the middle watch, and they had but newly set the watch, and they blew the trumpets and break the pitchers that were in their hands. And the three companies blew the trumpets and break the pitchers and held the lamps in their left hands and the trumpets in their right hands to blow with all, and they cried, The sword of the Lord and of Gideon. And they stood every man in his place round about the camp, and all the host ran and cried and fled. And the three hundred blew the trumpets, and the Lord set every man's sword against his fellow, even throughout all the host. And the host fled the Bethshitta of Zarahath, and to the border of Elba unto Tabith. The archaeologist spades continue to dig, and God's word is continually confirmed. You would suppose at least one uncontested victory for the doctors of unbelief, but alas, not one. A few final excerpts follow from Dr. Grant Jeffrey's book, The Signature of God. Dr. Nelson Gluick, the most outstanding Jewish archaeologist of the last century, wrote in his book, Rivers in the Desert. It may be stated categorically that no archaeological discovery has ever controverted a biblical reference. Scores of archaeological findings have been made which confirm in clear outline or in exact detail historical statements in the Bible. And by the same token, 
proper evaluation of biblical descriptions has often led to amazing discoveries. They form uh, a tesserae in the vast mosaic of the Bible's almost incredibly correct historical memory. Another respected scholar, Dr. J. O. Kinneman, declared, Of the hundreds of thousands of artifacts found by the archaeologists, not one has ever been discovered that contradicts or denies one word, phrase, clause, or sentence of the Bible, but always confirms and verifies the facts of the biblical record. Well-known language scholar Dr. Robert Dick Wilson, formerly professor of Semitic philology at Princeton Theological Seminary, made the following statement. After 45 years of scholarly research in biblical textual studies and in language study, I have come now to the conviction that no man knows enough to assail the truthfulness of the Old Testament. When there is sufficient documentary evidence to make an investigation, the statement of the Bible in the original text has stood the test. It's all true. Every jot and every tittle in God's beautiful book. This is the solid rock and the place to build a life that will last forever. The critics must criticize. That's what critics do. God, on the other hand, must be God. I am that I am. Because that's just who he is. And all his words are true and righteous altogether. And yes, especially the miracles. God said, Psalms 19, verse 9, The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The judgments of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. God said, Genesis eleven seventeen through 26, And Eber lived after he begat Peleg 430 years and begat sons and daughters. And Peleg lived 30 years and begat Ru. And Peleg lived after he begat Ru 209 years and begat sons and daughters. And Ru lived 2 and 30 years and begat Serug. And Ru lived after he begat Serug 207 years and begat sons and daughters. And Serug lived 30 years and begat Nahor. And Serug lived after he begat Nahor 200 years and begat sons and daughters. And Nahor lived 9 and 20 years and begat Terah. And Nahor lived after he begat Terah and 119 years and begat sons and daughters. And Terah lived 70 years and begat Abram, Nahor, and Haran. Man said, the stories in the Bible are just wild stories. When you look, you'll discover the lack of any real credibility, the history, the chronology, geography, names and places. Wrong, wrong, wrong. Throw it in the trash. Set yourself free. Now you have the record. 